Hello and welcome to another episode of the JRE Review, where each week, me and possibly some guests, if I have a guest, um, will review a Joe Rogan Experience podcast. We talk about the parts that we liked, uh, parts that inspired us, parts that confused us, and uh, parts that made us laugh. So uh, this week, we have a great one, MMA, one of the MMA podcasts. And the MMA series is really starting to grow on me. I like the way that Joe has kind of separated those out, and it gives us a really unique insight to a lot of the um, MMA fighters out there. I mean, sometimes, whether you're a fan or not, it's really cool to, you know, get someone sat down talking for a long period of time, and you get to learn a lot about them. You think, sometimes you think that MMA fighters, maybe boxers, they're just brawlers and meatheads, uh, but quite often... They're really interesting people. And Michael Bisbing is the guest um, with Joe. Michael Bisbing is a former middleweight uh, world champion for the UFC. He's an English guy. He's fought for many years. I think he's had possibly the most fights in the UFC, which is really impressive. And uh, and today I'm joined by a good buddy of mine, Eddie. Say hi, Ed. Hey, guys. How you doing? Thanks for being here. Um so yeah, I mean their conversation was was a lot of fun. Um, Michael Bisbing is also an analyst for Fox, so he now will like um, you know do the com- not the commentary, but like after or before the fights, they like discuss you know the, the fights that are coming up and he talk about it. So he's he's getting a lot better at like um, the speaking portion. Like you're an actor, so. You know, you go to probably you've been to like voice classes or, or whatever. Of and course, then, yeah. And he talks a little bit about how they've trained him at, because his accent is not like slightly northern, so it's not exactly the same as mine. Uh, though mine's not really very English anymore, anyway. But he his accent is quite strong sometimes, so they had to teach him to be clearer for like the TV here. For more broadcasting, right? yeah. Yeah, so people can understand him, you know? I mean, there's certain words he's got to be careful not to use because if it's any kind of English slang, people aren't going to pick up on it. And because he's talking quick while he's analyzing things, you know, Americans need to understand all of that term. And, and that's funny, right? Because it's the same language. Yeah, talent, you know, like with uh, Brad Pitt and uh, Snatch, when he's, he's the Northern Pike or something? Um, yeah, the Pikey. Is yeah. Like, what? Like, well, it's, what? <laughs> it's like oddly Irish, and yeah, that's way stronger. I mean, um, Michael Bisping doesn't quite sound that strong, but exactly. There's so many different accents in England, and to be honest, a lot of them are even quite difficult for me to understand, you know? Whereas in the US, I could travel almost anywhere and understand people just fine. The The range of accent variation is, is not anywhere the same uh, in the US as it is is in England. But anyway, he's he's very well spoken and excellent on this podcast just because of all the practice that he's had. So so he keeps the flow going really nicely. He talks about one of his favorite wins and best fights ever, which was against Anderson Silva. Um, Anderson Silva is like a UFC legend. He's got the most spectacular wins of all time. Unbelievable. Was the champion forever. And uh, and and Michael Bisbing got to beat him. And that put him in contention to almost be in line to fight for the championship. So he, it was a big win for him. And, you know, 
Uh, it was a great win, though he did take a cheap knee to the face at the end of the round, and it was brutal. The like the bell went, and Anderson just jumped up and kneed him right in the face, almost knocked him out. I was going to say he knocked him out. Oh, but he's a tough guy. Bisbing's really tough. Another thing about Bisbing is through all the fights that he's had, he's detached his retina. Have you ever heard of this? No, I have not. Well, a detached retina you can get from just getting punched a lot. Yeah, Yeah, so it's it's like they can reattach it, but because he's a fighter, there's a few ways of doing it. One is they put gas in there in your eye, so you somehow you can still see. I don't know how that works, but you can never fly, and because he's a fighter, he needs to fly. He needs to go to England. Like, what do you? How would you? If you were English and you lived in America and you couldn't fly, what what, would you take a boat? It would take a while, yeah. Yeah, it would take a while. <laughs> you got to watch out for icebergs, that's for sure. Uh, so in the end, he got oil put in his eye. And oil was like another way of like, I guess, keeping it together. But it, it allowed him to fly and then also allowed him to fight. But the crazy thing is, he's been fighting and being blind in one eye for years. That's insane. Yeah, and still became the champion and defended his belt. Unbelievable. Yeah, so... So, How old is he now? Mid thirties? Um, yeah, I think so. I think he's about mid thirties. Um, he's retired now, though. Uh, had a, after he lost his belt, he lost his belt to GSP, the Canadian who's a legend, and uh, did one more fight, but got knocked out pretty bad, and then just said, "You know what? Fuck it. I'm going to be done." But yeah. he got the belt. You know, he was the champ. He stuck around to get it, and now he has a sweet gig on fox so why not save your brain exactly he's got a long career ahead of him yeah yeah for sure and it's different he talks a little bit about steroids in the sport back in the day um before they had what they call the usada testing which is the the body that tests the ufc fighters now they come in independent like testing group all those guys used to be jacked like real jacked up on steroids and he never was and never did them but he talks about having to fight them and how freakishly strong they are. Is is steroids and testing like testing's not very strict in boxing, right? Do you know much about that? Yeah, no, they do. They do test. They do. Yeah. Okay. So those guys can't get too jacked. No. I feel like they should just be able to do a little bit of steroids. Well, a little bit plus as well too. Plus, doesn't it? Um, you know, recondition with the body and like then it kind of tightens. Yeah, I think it helps injuries and 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 it helps healing, but I guess they just say that it's just such an unfair advantage and people would just be slamming steroids into themselves all the time and God knows what that would do. We'd just be giant freaks with no neck smashing each other. Wasn't it recently or a couple years ago that the, was it the Canadian team or no, a Russian team I think for curling was doing steroids. The the Russian curling team? It was like, yeah, it was some... Some team that, yeah. Like, I'm pretty sure all the Russians are on I, I steroids so. of some kind because um, they can get away with it. Uh, their government encourages it. <laughs> yeah. So they're like, why not? If you're a curler, you're like, yeah, yeah fuck it, I'll take some. It d- doesn't seem necessary for any curling position, though, that I can think of. The brushing guy. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. He brushes, I mean, like, through the ice. You got to go quick on that. Yeah, you got to go real quick. Real quick. Nah. Um... Joe talks a little bit to Michael about uh, CTE, damage to the brain. You know, you get that, you're seeing that line in boxing, you're seeing it from football players. Um, MMA guys have to be careful about it, really, anytime you're hitting your head. And uh, Joe was saying that his kids, if they ever wanted to play football, he'd say no. What do you think about that sort of thing? Uh, I, well, you know what? 
I played high school uh, football. Actually, you know, when grammar school, then in high school, and I guess it's fortunate that I was too small to really. I was always on the bench, but I mean, a lot of the kids that I know were starters. Everyone had injuries, severe injuries by senior year. Yeah, you know, and those are those are permanent. They say yeah. it doesn't take long to get pretty significant injuries. Uh, well, to your brain. You know, in yeah. like one year of like high school football, you can take enough knocks, which really is, in a way, kind of surprising. You know, because I'm like, I, you would think when you're younger, your brain, and you know, you get knocked around. I mean, we were designed to be cave people. You would have thought that in there we got better regenerative properties, but they're saying that's causing massive damage that that almost isn't fixable, yeah, which is kind of terrifying. One hit kind of can lay you out completely. You know. For sure, for sure. Um, uh, Michael talks a little bit about when um, when he was younger, when he started out. Um, he before he got into fighting, he worked in a slaughterhouse. So it was just like you know, th- these guys come on and they they recap a lot of their lives. Sometimes this is their opportunity to talk to Joe and they get into it. But he talks about working at a slaughterhouse, mm-hmm. and then he was a butcher, and he used to have to kill like five hundred cows a day. And he describes how he would do it. So they, they, the cows would like go into a pen, they take a bolt, and then they just smush it on the back of their head. Wow. And then they stick some tube down the, in the head that goes down the spine and like kills all the nerves so it doesn't keep moving around. And then they can go ahead and set it up. That to me sounds so fucking gross. I can't imagine having my coffee and then going, hey guys, guess where I'm going? Yeah, it's pretty. That's that yeah. seems that seems super brutal. Yeah, very. Yeah, that would be seriously intense. I don't know. I think it would make me a vegetarian. I was actually going to say that. I I don't know if I, I mean I I worked on a chicken farm one day when I was a kid, and you know what they served me for lunch? Chicken. <laughs> I just wanted peanut butter and jelly. To be honest with you. Did you ever see? Remember Napoleon Dynamite? Yeah. When he's working <laughs> in the chicken thing. And then for lunch, all they gave him was bread and that huge thing of eggs. And then, they, then they paid him in a bunch of coins. <laughs> That's how I felt. I think I was like 11. It was brutal. Uh, what did you have to do there? Did you kill the chickens? Uh, no, no. I just had to get the eggs. But it was like hundreds of them. And, uh, you know, oh my the God. winter time. Yeah. I froze my butt off. Was this in Chicago? This was, yeah. Oh, God, yeah. that's cold. Forget that. Yeah, no, it wasn't, uh, and I was all flipped. Can you not even, like, look at eggs now? You're like, fuck eggs. No, it was brutal. I didn't eat an egg for 15, 20 years. <laughs> <laughs> I'm not surprised. It sounds, it sounds terrible. I wouldn't want to do that. But anyway, yeah, he obviously didn't like that. He didn't do it for long, and, uh, and that's when he just got into fighting. And he did all kinds of fighting. He was a kickboxing champion for a while in England and then eventually got on to the uh, I think the second season of the Ultimate Fighter which is the reality show that the UFC does I remember that yeah yeah and he won that and it was a great season and then with the $100,000 contract he got obviously he got a shot in the UFC and he's just been a beast for many years he really is one of the toughest guys and he talks so much shit he's really good at it and it's very very funny Um, he fought a guy called Luke Rockhold that's very good and Luke beat him and then Luke had the title and he went back to fight Luke on short notice. It was real last minute. Like um, Dana White texted him or he heard from someone else and he was like, holy shit, I need to get him shape fast, go. The amazing thing is, first round knockout. He knocked Luke out. Nobody suspected, like thought that he would. Total underdog. 
it really is like the perfect story for winning a belt and my hat goes off to him i was really pumped because he's just been a legend in the sport for so long right he talks about that moment just being like the greatest moment ever because of all the adversity that he's been through like we talked about his eye he has what they call 2200 vision and i I don't have bad vision, so I don't know. I know what 2020 is. Yeah. I don't know what 2200 means, except it's really fucking bad. It doesn't sound good. But he had to pass the physical to be able to fight. And because he's blind in one eye, every time he went to fight, he was more worried about the physical than the fight. Because he was worried that they were just going to stop him eventually from being able to fight. And this was his whole life. Wow. Sounds stressful, right? Yes. Yeah, it sounds really stressful. And that that's pretty brutal. Um, he a, a big message that Michael uh, really passed to Joe and, and really the best thing I thought about the podcast is talking about his family and how supportive they are because they were in England and he had to fly a lot and he was always training and the training is brutal you know I mean you used to own a gym you used to box right? you know what it takes to just stay in good shape for these things did you ever used to get pro boxes in your gym or pro athletes um, no we had more uh celebrities okay in there yeah so they, but, they were even some to... of those guys work out hard for movies or whatever they, uh, they really get intense yeah i mean uh i think i don't know if i mentioned before but uh my other buddy in there um was training Kiefer sutherland for that for 24 oh no and then um we had nicholas cage in there for years sure the month of men and guy was training but to get in shape i mean all the different kind of I mean, between the boxing skills, the, the cross training, all that kind of stuff. I mean, that's just not acting. You know what I mean? You got to yeah. get in shape for all this. Exactly. And then, you know, imagine being a UFC fighter. I mean, you you have to be in the best shape of your life, really, physically. It takes a lot out of you. And this is where family support comes in. And you see it with a lot of MMA fighters. They really talk a lot about how much they love their families. And they, you know, really, they're giving that thanks because they wouldn't be able to be in that position without the support that they've given them. You know what I mean? A lot of, course, of yeah. a lot of time is missed. And and in a relationship, and I think this speaks for all relationships, when you, if you struggle in your relationship and things don't seem right, you've got to ask yourself, how supportive is the other person? And, you know, also how supportive are you being? But if you're really going for a very difficult thing, like being the best at whatever you want to do, really going for it. We're not just talking about showing up to work and, like, doing your job, whatever. But like really trying to be the very best at something that you're doing, I don't think there's any way of getting there without a lot of big support from your family. I, I agree. It's got it's just such a strict uh, life too. Yeah. I mean, you got to have your diet, your sleep, your training, um, just mentally be prepared constantly. Yeah, and you can't be you can't be fighting all the time with your wife or your kids, and it's just too draining. You need to put your energy forward. But but that was a great takeaway. Uh, I want to thank you, Eddie, for joining me today. Thank you. And uh, thank you guys for downloading. There'll be more soon. Appreciate it. Listen to the podcast. Check that one out. Michael Bisbin's a legend. Peace.